Monday, January 31st. It's the call up. I'm Arm Layton, joined by familiar face, familiar voice, Jack McMullen, who was just on to talk about the Fort Wayne Tin Caps and more and the whole Padre system. Now we're talking Mets top prospects, Jack. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about the schedule and how people can start to get a little bit used to your very soothing voice. Yeah. Uh, is this soothing enough? Do I sound super soothing right now? That is right. Really uh, Every Monday. Yeah, we're going to start the week with uh, these chords coming from both of us, and uh, it's going to be fun. I'm going to join you for um, a lot of team breakdowns, mm-hmm. and then it's going to be a lot of uh, not individual stuff from you, but you're going to kind of take the week and run. Yeah, so really excited. If you don't follow on Twitter, or if you didn't see it, I wanted to set a more specific schedule moving forward here. And, um, you know, so you know what to expect. So on Mondays, we're doing the team breakdowns and team rundowns through the system where, uh, you know, that's something that's more fun going back and forth. And especially since Jack has seen a lot of these players and or watched a ton of them. And then on Wednesdays, which I'm really excited about is a player interview every single week. So that'll be just myself interviewing a prospect from any of the 30 farm systems. This week will be Kyle Nicholas, uh, who was just traded from the Marlins over to the Pirates as part of that Jacob Stallings deal. We're going to talk a little bit about Nicholas at the end of the podcast and a great, great pitcher who is an awesome dude too, who I think you'll really enjoy hearing from. And then on Fridays, that's going to be another one of those deep dives for me. I'm going to be doing updates on the minor leagues, who's hot, who's struggling, uh, you know, just a little bit of the pulse on the entire minor league landscape, as well as deep dives into individual prospects, not sticking to one system or another, might bounce around a little bit. It's a little bit of a freestyle Friday uh, in that context, but I'm really excited about the teams on Monday, player interviews on Wednesday, and then of course, Friday, a little bit of everything type of mold. So people know what to expect. And just to be able to have a prospect interview every week, I mean, it's going to be pretty darn cool. Hundred um, percent, and I think that's the beauty of of what we can do at mm-hmm. just baseball, and especially with the call up too, because we're around these guys. Like, are you twenty four or twenty three? I'm twenty four. Wow, I, I join you in about two weeks. Um, but yeah, I mean, like you're twenty four years old. A lot of the guys that are coming up right now are twenty four years old, twenty five yep. years old, twenty three years old. Like that's right around us. So. We've been in circles with them. I think our previous experiences have brought us into those circles as well. And the reality is, like, they just kind of trust you. If you're their age and you genuinely feel for their plight, like, as a minor league baseball player, you don't have much going on until you get to the bigs. Everybody wants to be your friend when you get to the bigs. But when you're hanging out in Beloit, or, you know, somewhere else like that, Motor or uh, Rocket City, that's right, Madison, City. Alabama. The trash, the trash Pandas. Yeah, the Rocket City Trash Pandas, or even when you're a newly minted Sugarland Space Cowboy. Like, nobody really wants to, to hang around with you until you actually crack in with the Marlins or the Angels or the Astros. Well, and especially on the prospect side, you know, everyone's always just looking at the numbers, right? And so they're just like, this guy stinks, this guy's good. There, there's a story behind each of these guys. And, you know, it's really nice to be able to, help tell that story. And, uh, you know, a lot of these guys are just really cool dudes just trying to make it and uh, excited to be able to kind of deliver that and and peel back the curtain. Uh, But we're going to peel back the curtain on the Mets system today. And this top 10 already out at justbaseball.com. It's linked in the description. So you can choose to follow along, check out the scouting grades as Jack and I go through them, um, or you could save it for later and go read uh, that article and that write-up as well. Another system that has been checked off 
We're about two thirds of the way through the entire uh, league, uh, all 30 teams. And then we're also pretty deep into a top 100 update now that I've been working on whenever I have some free time. Uh, this yeah. Met system, it's, it's pretty solid, man. I mean, it, it is a pretty solid system. Uh, there's some volatility. Uh, there's some elite talent at the top. And honestly, again, it's one of those where I get to the back end and there's some interesting upside guys in the back end. And I think every system has some of those guys that are just overlooked. There's a few of those in this Met system that we'll get into. But man, at the top, I mean, there's some exciting dudes and there's no reason really for the Mets to trade any of these guys because they they could just spend. Yeah. And, you know, if you look at it one through 10, it's it's pretty exciting. If you look at it one through 30, it's a fine system. Mm-hmm. Like it's, it's fine. It's middle of the pack. Um, but if you look at one through three, they're fun. They're, <laughs> like they're, they're really yeah. fun. I think this system would get a, a serious facelift if Pete Crow Armstrong was still in it. Yep. Pete Crow Armstrong went, you know, pretty much straight up. It, it wasn't straight up. It was bias for Pete Crow Armstrong. Yeah, it was basically straight. Yeah, I think it was straight up. I think it was straight up. Yeah. So like Pete Crow Armstrong, it shows you that he's worth a, a half season rental of, you know, who a lot of people still think is one of the best shortstops in baseball and Javi Baez. And he performed really well for really the Mets. Well. So Pete Crow Armstrong would be, uh, without any doubt, a top five Mets prospect right now. He would maybe be top three. Um, it would help to have that outfield bat in there. But regardless, I mean, you look at one, this is one of the best top prospects in the game. And then you look at two and three, and these are guys that, you know, we both really like and everybody else. I mean, there's a chance that they can be good big leaguers. A hundred percent. And it's funny. I'll start with one. I love all baseball fans, especially the passionate ones. And so that's why I love Mets fans. Like, don't get me wrong. And our RPR guy, Adam Freifeld, will probably disagree with me on this one. He's like, you're always too hard on the Mets. Same with Chris Longo, our other buddy. I'm always going to give a little bit of jab to those passionate fans because it's fun. You know, you're just stirring the pot. But something that's funny is I've I've always said I thought it was crazy to trade Pete Pete Crow Armstrong for a rental of Javi Baez when that wasn't going to be what was going to put you over the top. Yeah. If they were competing, and I know they were good at that point, but that team had a lot of issues. Not to get too deep into that, what, what's funny that I've noticed, and it's, it's a, not a Met, Mets exclusive thing. I see all fans do this. When they trade a prospect away, they want to like justify it for themselves. Pete Crow Armstrong's a fourth outfielder. He stinks. Yeah, like he's no, not going to be like good. They're rooting for Kelnick's downfall. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And I'm not even like, it, that's not all Mets fans, but the, the loud ones on Twitter. I see it across everything though. I mean, I see it with, with all prospects. When you make a trade, all of a sudden those prospects that you were gassing up, now they're belittling them because they traded them. They don't want to feel bad about it. I get it. I get it. I, I, I can totally understand that from a fan's perspective. Um, but I will, what I will say is Pete Crow Armstrong won't be Jared Kelnick and it's not going to haunt, you know, Mets fans for the rest of their lives. Uh, but as we go through this system, it is probably important to note that, you know, there's not that much outfield depth here. Uh, the good news is they added a lot of guys, um, you know, in free agency, uh, and that's going to help them for a couple of years and give them time to reload. And, and but that's that's a point of emphasis as we go through the system, because they definitely uh, need some help in the outfield. And that's why I think they might move Mark Vientos to the outfield, who will get to it three. Let's start with the crown jewel, though, man. I mean, Francisco Alvarez, this guy is number one in the system. He's number four in all of baseball for us. And that's the highest I think I've seen him anywhere. We have him up there. Um, For me, I just couldn't justify having him anywhere else. Frankly, Uh, you could tell me if, if top five in all of baseball is a little high on him, but when you're looking at the power, 
I'm thinking about it and I, I started to write it in the write-up. I'm like 40 plus home run power. If it all, you know, if it all comes together for him. And then I like started to delete it. I'm like, that's extreme. I'm like, relax. And then I was like, why is that extreme? He hits the ball as hard as not only any teenager, anybody in high A, anybody in the minor leagues. And he did it way more frequently than anyone expected. He's physical as hell. He's got a decent approach for a teenager and he can catch like he's showing good signs. Am I crazy, Jack, for having him at number number five overall or number four overall in, in the top 100? Hell no. He's 5'10", 233. That is NFL running back. Like that is bowling ball running back. And you know how powerful those guys are. Um, Alvarez swings like he's 5'10", 233. I mean, it's this guy. I've referred to him as a muscle hamster. Like that's yeah. just how he looks. Um because he, he looks like one just gigantic bicep. Um, and he is, you know, like this swing, it's got so much power. Um, it's also on a line. I mean, he's got a line drive swing that when he gets ever so under it, it just flies off the bat. And um, that's why I believe in the, in the hit tool. Yeah. I mean, yeah. It, it wasn't bad in terms of contact rate. He doesn't chase that much. Um, you know, he, he was pretty, pretty much average in that department. And yeah, of course you're going to look at the overall stats as he, after he got promoted and say, okay, yeah, there was a little bit more swing and miss. I don't think people understand Jack. And like, you saw it big time and it's still, he produced incredibly well, but you see a guy like you pit him against himself a little bit where he was striking out almost no, it was non-existent uh, in rookie ball in low a and he yeah. strikes out 24.6% of the time in high a like Jack, you were in high a last year. I still say high A to double A is the biggest jump, but for teenagers who are just getting their feet wet, low A to high A is a big leap, right? If you're a 19 year old performing in high A, like Francisco Alvarez was born in 2001. If you're a 2001 baby in high A, I mean, it doesn't matter if you look like Alvarez or not. It's, it's hard because you're seeing, you know, we had pitchers in the rotation at times that were 27 years old. That's eight years older than you. Yeah. I mean, I'm 24 and I've got like hair on my body that I didn't have when I was 19 years old. Right. Like that's how a 27 year old is. Like they hop into the showers and they've got back hair when like Alvarez might not have back hair. They are just longer into the physical maturation process and Alvarez needs to play catch up. Yeah. No. And the crazy thing is, dude, is listen to these numbers in high A. I mean, he made a mockery of, of low A. He was there for 15 games and they're like, this is stupid. They yeah. literally were like, get him out of there. Because in the 15 games, he walked 22% of the time, <laughs> struck out 10% of the time and slashed 417, 567, 646. And there's no point. Appearances. 67 plate appearances. It wasn't like 10. Like, that, that's not a huge sample size, but it was like a joke for him. 227 WRC plus in those 15 games. So they bring him up and in high A, 247, 351, 538 with 22 jacks in 84 games. And I mean, 12% walk rate to offset the 24% K rate. I liked everything we saw. Going back to your point about his swing and the muscle hamster thing, his swing, and I, I think you saw it in the write-up, it reminds me a lot. And he's figured things out about himself that most guys with his profile don't figure out till later, like Tyler O'Neill. And his swing reminds me a lot of Tyler O'Neill. And you have to be a physical specimen to be able to get away with this. They both, and it took O'Neill a while to figure this out, but 
you see him start really stacked on his backside, like his weights really stacked on his backside. And all he focuses on is just bringing his foot over and, and going like he doesn't need any of this movement. He doesn't need to really sink into his back. Like, like he can start almost preset where he needs to be because he's so strong that he can just go from there and launch homers. So if you can easily tap into power without as much movement, let's neutralize any movement that you have that you don't need. And he did that. And I think that's why we saw him make that kind of adjustment really easily. Uh, do you see some of those swing similarities? Yeah. So with prospects, I love talking about the swing. I love talking about transfer of weight during the swing. I love talking about the load. I love talking about the swing itself. And, you know, one, two, and three in this system, Alvarez, Brett Beatty, and Mark Vientos have three totally different swings. Beatty is like pure. He's probably got the prettiest swing of the three. Vientos is a lot of turning, like not necessarily throwing himself towards the pitcher. And Alvarez is I've got so much power built up in my backside. And then he throws it all at the mound as he starts his swing. Like they are three totally different swings. It's not like one type of swing is better than the other, which is better than the other. It's how well do you perform in your mold that you have set for yourself? Exactly. And Alvarez is so good with the weight transfer thing. And that is something that is really hard to perfect. But Alvarez, I feel like he's going to perfect it. I think he he really is already well on his way to doing so. And, you know, like the, the thing is, is pitch rack, right? I mean, like he stays back. You, you, when you're a freak like Alvarez, you look at like Barry Bonds in terms of like what he did with just how much of a freak he was physically. He would swing off of his back leg sometimes. Like he would just, mm-hmm. you know, one leg it. And, and Alvarez is a guy that like doesn't even need to have that like crazy transfer forward and have all of this energy. Like he could swing off of one leg. And hit it hard. So he's trying to find a way like he can catch up to any fastball. He crushed fastballs, breaking balls. Sometimes he'd get going forward a little bit. You talk about like throwing your weight at the pitcher. That's something that would start going a little bit too quick. That's about it. And like, that's something that he'll have to adjust as he gets to the upper levels. He crushed curveballs, And I usually don't see this. Usually if you struggle against curveballs, you struggle against sliders. He crushed curveballs, struggled against sliders. Uh, So, you know, it seems like a little bit of him just being in and out of the zone. But for, for a 19-year-old, just turned 20, incredibly advanced, catching-wise, rocket for an arm, you know, the receiving, all that will come along. This, this guy's got a potential to be, you know, I, I think one of the best catchers in baseball very, very soon, and maybe one of the best, maybe the number one prospect in baseball very soon. You know, you mentioned, like, one of the best catchers in baseball. Half of it is hitting, half of it is defense. He's a really good defensive catcher. Yeah, you know, I don't think people realize, like, yes, the bat is great, but I mean, his arm plays is amazing. He, he's athletic. He's athletic. Like, he's not quick. Like, don't you like, but he, he moves pretty well for his size. Okay. So, tying it back to the swing with his athleticism, um, he has done something that, like, I saw on tape that I had to rewind and then watch again and then rewind and watch again and then rewind and watch again because it's, something that I've only seen Jason Dominguez do before. And don't, don't use that as a red flag here, but I've seen him follow through with his swing and finish with his back hand on the bat yeah. and not his front hand. So like, okay, that's a super athletic thing to do. I get, but like get more consistent with your swing mechanics. You obviously just showed me that you have an understanding of how freakishly athletic you are. And, you know, I see it in Chicago with Wilson Contreras. Like this guy was just a really freaking good athlete. So that turned him into 
a freak behind the plate too. I mean, the the zip on the throw down to second base or the opportunity to throw back pick attempts over to first base. Like that is something that Francisco Alvarez is going to have right away over a lot of catchers in major league baseball. A hundred percent. I kind of like the Contreras comp, but like imagine Contreras with another 15 pounds of muscle. Yes. And, and I'd, I'd argue, I love Contreras. I'd argue Alvarez has an even quicker bat. I mean, you see his explosiveness, but you talk about the top hand thing. It's a little bit of like a, just he's both of these guys too. Dominguez gets into it too. Just swinging. So out of control. Beltre. Yeah. Like, like tone it down a little bit. Um, and that's something I'm excited to see, but what we saw from Alvarez to wrap up on him too, uses the whole field really well. I think when he gets to high or to double a, like tone it down a little bit and you're going to run into your home runs. Just, just, you know, you don't need to swing out of your freaking shoes, do that in your hitters counts. And then, you know, tone it down a bit. That's something that Beatty did and it worked for him. That's something that Vientos did and it worked for him. Uh, but final thoughts on Alvarez, the reason and we talk about something that we're working on is like a, a upside to volatility scale. The upside that Alvarez has is off the charts. Yeah. The volatility is not as high as you would think for a player with his profile. Right. Yeah. And that's I, why I, I agree. I think obviously it's still, you know, we'll see, but I think he's got a higher floor than most guys with his profile. So we'll fly to number two. And this is a guy that, I mean, he just is hit. He just always hits always, always, always hits. You, you teased it. Really smooth swing from the left side, just drives the ball to all fields really well. There's a little bit of swing and miss, but that's gotten better and better. He walks. He's just a ball player. He's a pretty complete ball player. I don't think he's ever going to hit 40. Uh, I don't think he's ever going to hit 330, uh, but you could almost pencil this guy in, I think, at the big league level, most likely to hit 285, 25 to 30 jacks and, you know, just get on base at a good clip as a left-handed bat. I think that's that's a really really likely outcome for this guy. And, and and I'm a big fan of his bat. I really enjoy Brett Beatty. I do. I, I didn't, when he first got picked, I thought there were guys that I liked more yeah. Josh young being one of them. Yep. Like I was just like, young's better. And you can still then, argue that he is, but it's okay. Yeah. Like it's, you know, it's, it's not, it's not drastic. Like mm-hmm. I think you can make the argument and I think I would side with the argument that Beatty, I would rather have in my system than Josh Young, to be totally honest. Because, really? Yeah. You know, I, I say that because Beatty's got a little bit more to him. I think he's got, um, he's got more juice for sure. Like I say, I can't see 40, but like he has the outside shot in terms of raw power. Josh Young is, is kind of, you know, maxed out at, at around 25, 30, but he's got the hit tool. Yeah. So like, I think I like Beatty because he's 21 years old and he's in double A. You know what I mean? Like I'm watching, I'm watching clips of him in Binghamton and this was a high school draft pick not too long ago. And Oh, by the way, there was a year that stunted his growth in 2020 because he couldn't play minor league baseball. So like with Beatty, he's advanced for his age. Um, I think that the strikeout rate's going to go down. It's Mm -hmm. hovered around 25% at every stop, every stop, every stop. You mentioned that there's some swing and miss there. 25% is not egregious anymore. Like no. you see 25% and you're like, Ooh, you got to tone that down. But 25% is just normal now, um, which sucks. I hate that by the way. Um, but you know, with Beatty, like I watch the swing and you see him translating to 55 hits, 60 power. Yeah. And I think that's spot on, like yeah. do a little bit of both with a sweet swing that stays in the zone. That's mechanically consistent I mean, he's never going to have those swings that are like, 
oh God, you just swung out of your shoes or like that was uncompetitive. Every swing is going to be competitive and every swing is going to look like double to left center. I totally agree. And and for him, it's just, I'm getting a little bit more comfortable with breaking balls, but crushed change-ups, which is huge for a lefty, right? That's huge. Because he stays back really well. It's just a little bit of the, again, pitch rack on the breaking balls, but breaking balls are hard to hit for everybody. And he held his own there. He hits fastballs well. I love everything about his profile, 6'3", 210. Uh, the exit velos are there. The one thing for Beatty is this, man, and it's really interesting. He hits the ball on the ground way too much, and that's the only thing that's holding his power back. I, I think if he lifted a bit more, and you know, you don't want to go too far down that, that alleyway because a big part of his success is that he can go left center gap, right center gap. Uh, he can do a little bit of that, but – you cannot be hitting the ball on the ground 55% of the time. Like you just can't do that. Yeah. I mean, swing is long, right? (laughs) Like it's pretty, but it's long. And I think that a lot of long swings when you're a left-handed bat and you're seeing right-handed pitching, chances are you're going to see a lot of pitches that work away from you, right? If you're, you mentioned he's good at hitting changeups. He's going to see a lot of fastballs that tail away and And he's going to see a lot of changeups that tail away. He's also going to see a lot of upstairs fastballs. You're right. So like, this guy, when he's getting his pitch upstairs, it's either swing and miss or he's going to hit the ball hard in the air, which, you know, good thing. But a lot of right-handed pitchers are going to want to stay low and off the plate to him if they're not going with the elevated cheese. Yeah. And I, I think that the ground ball rate is emblematic of the fact that pitchers want to stay away from him because they know he's dangerous. Um, if he can figure out a way to shorten the swing a little bit and lift some of those balls that catch too much of the plate, or maybe, you know, too close to the belt as opposed to the knees. I think that changes. Like, I think that can be an off season correction for him. Totally. And I think a lot of it's an approach thing. This was something I was talking about with MJ Melendez, you know, another left-handed hitter um, who had a phenomenal year last year. And and obviously he said he made some swing changes, but um, a lot of it was approach. You know, if, if you know that it's fastball or change up and, you know, let's say you're, you're facing a tough arm, like it's okay early in the count or especially in hitters counts, like sell out for one. Sell out for one, you know, sell out for the change. Like you can sell out for a low change up. And if it's, if it's at the knees, a guy like Brett Beatty will will hit it out or you could sell out for the high fastball. And you know, if you're ready for it, you get it. If if it's not, you spit on it. And that was something that like Melendez said, yeah, I'd commit to that for like three straight pitches. And you know, like that's, that's something that, you know, I think Beatty can continue to feel out the approach because that's going to be the clear way that they attack. And, and, And when you get lefties, He's great left on left for that reason, which is funny. And another reason why I have a lot of confidence in him. He's good left on left. Uh, this guy's going to be really good. I'd like to see him get the ball in the air a bit more. Like you said, it's, it's approach. But defensively, he's fine. Uh, the strikeout rate being incredibly consistent at every stop, I think, is what we can kind of expect, 25%. I think it might even get better. You might be one of those rare guys that it actually improves in the big leagues as he has access to more. Because, again, it's not a swing and miss thing that much. He doesn't chase. Uh, he walks a good amount. I really am not concerned about swing and miss that much for him. And he was great in the fall league too. Uh, This guy just hits and uh, he's got room for more power than I think people think. Uh, But I'd still probably keep it at 60 uh, just because I think he's a little bit limited by, by the uh, lack of ability to get it in the air. But overall, probably uh, a guy who makes a handful of all-star games, you'd say, and above average regular for a long time. And you know what? The good news is if he doesn't pan out, then the next guy could be the third baseman too. And this guy is my, my favorite dude. This guy is my absolute favorite. I, 
not even the South Florida bias, because I did play against him in high school. But I promise that has nothing to do with it because I was a little bit worried about him early on. I really was. And the more I watched, I felt like Mark Vientos is just a couple tweaks away from being insane. Absolutely insane. The power is as good as anybody in the minor leagues. And I stand by that one. I mean, he's hit balls as hard as 113, 114 miles an hour, consistently puts up some of the best exit velos in baseball and professional baseball, but specifically the minor leagues. The most impressive thing to me with Vientos, Jack, is he misses baseballs, misses baseballs that get out. He's got that kind of power. Yeah. I was watching, I mean, I, I sat there and watched like 15 minutes of Vientos because when you, when you see the swing, you're like, okay, I can't stop now. And you're right. Like that, that's the thing that jumped out to me. Mark Vientos, he doesn't have the weight transfer forward. He doesn't have the pretty swing that Beatty does. It's almost like he's going to corkscrew himself into the dirt with his swing. It is so like standing on one plane and just twirling around with the swing. It's all turning. But Vientos, like, I saw him get full-blown under. Like, looks like knob of the bat underneath baseballs that, like, go out and, like, smack off a billboard in right center field. Stupid pop. Nobody should be able to do that. But with that kind of swing, the torque that he generates with this swing and, like, just the frame that he has, he's 6'4", 185 right now. If he got up to 205, if he added 20 pounds of muscle, this guy is like breaking bats and balls are leaving the yard. Yeah. I am really glad you said that because I don't think I can emphasize enough that this guy has 40 plus home run power. This, if there's one guy in this system that has the best chance to do what Pete Alonso did, it's him. It's Mark Vantos because the miss hit power is what really just, that's what translates when you're missing baseballs that get out to all fields. Jack, he had a couple that I would have put my life on being routine fly balls to right field opposite way that somehow just kept carrying and snuck out. He does something that's just easy backspin. You know, that's something that you just can't teach where just the way he just backspins baseballs, they carry. The other thing that he does a really good job of is just, he toned things down a lot. He's rotationally explosive, which is something that, you know, like, like you said, you can't teach that. And that's what allows him to miss hit baseballs and just still be so violent through the zone. He toned his swing down a little bit, is on time more frequently. He's going to be a guy that strikes out a decent amount, but he normalized it a bit more in the upper 20s. And even when he got called up to double A, kept it at 28%, got called up to triple A, and it was at 30.2%, but walked more to offset that. I mean, the guy climbed up from double A to triple A after hardly playing above rookie ball prior and, and missing 2020. He's much more advanced than anybody thought he would be. And the power off the charts, probably one of the best raw power hitters in all of minor league baseball. Think about, think about Brett Beatty. It was aggressive to have a 21-year-old who was drafted in the first round in double A in 2021. Vientos is 21 years old and he's in triple A and he looks like he's going to beat Beatty by a year. Like that's the type of impact that the Mets could see Viento supplying in 2022. And I want to go back to the point where you like, it really feels like it's going to be a fly out to shallow right center and it leaves the yard. Like, you know, there were, there were some, we talked about Augustine Ruiz for a moment with with the Padres last week and Ruiz had somewhere like 
he was just so clearly under and the ball just carried out somehow. And like, I found myself calling that action, like Vientos, like you, you can hear it in the announcer's voice, right? Like two, two that's wristed out to right center. Be no problem. Yeah. But it's carrying, it's carrying and it's gone, gone by a mile. Like yeah. it's that type of thing. It just comes out of nowhere and the right. ball just keeps right. on going. It's unbelievable. So final thought on, on Vientos. I like the point you bring up about the rotational explosiveness because that's what he is. And that's the kind of thing that's just really hard to teach. You can't teach it. It's, it's, it's a twitchiness that you can't teach. He was out of control earlier on where he would fly open and as a result would roll over a little bit. He had really high pull rates through 2018, 2019 was at about the 46% clip this year. I think he started to see Jack that, Holy crap. I can miss balls to right center and they'll leave. His pull rate dropped by seven, 8%. And the biggest thing here, home run to fly ball rate. So just a percentage of fly balls that leave the yard. He tripled it from last year. Jack tripled his home run to fly ball rate while hitting the same amount of fly balls. So three times the percentage of fly balls that you hit, leave the yard. You're in pretty good shape. Yeah, I'd say so. That's stupid. Like that's a stupid correction. So I, I'm excited for Vientos. That's a legitimate correction that you can see in the stats and you know in the metrics as well, or in in the eye test as well. Uh, so getting on to number four, and we'll spend a little bit less time on each guy as we go. Ronnie Mauricio, Ronnie freaking Mauricio, shortstop prospect. Mets fans chewed me out for not having him on the top 100 list. Uh, he just missed. He also just missed about every single pitch that came his way last year. And he swings at everything. No doubting he's a freak athlete. No doubting he has crazy power. No doubting the upside. And he is still just 20 years old. But I mean, Jack, this guy swung at everything. Everything. He has good bat-to-ball skills, so it doesn't show up in the K rate. But one of the higher chase rates you'll see uh, in baseball. He's one of the more polarizing prospects in professional baseball. Like I I've heard people say that he's, you know, without a doubt, a top 50 guy. And then I've, I've heard other people say that there he's nowhere close to the top 500 in, yes. in baseball, just yes. because like, they're so, because they hate the approach that much. Like when you hate the approach that much and you are anywhere from the 40th best prospect in baseball to the 490th best prospect in baseball. Like that just shows you that you are too divisive to be a good prospect. So like Mauricio, yeah, there's a chance that he's a superstar for sure. Because like, he's got that swing and he's got, you know, the loose athleticism and he's got the build, right? Six, three, one He's the tall skinny kid that plays short that, you know, can, can get into one and mash it. But like, Everybody's 6'3", 165 to play shortstop in minor league baseball now. There's nothing really unique about the approach except that it's really bad. Yeah, and look, the power's there. He's hit balls 113 miles an hour, 114 miles an hour on numerous occasions. He's not fast. He's, he's a below average runner almost at this point. He's a switch hitter with a low-end hit tool. And defensively, he's got all the tools in the world. He can make some tough plays. But he's kind of the same thing in the field. Really toolsy, but he made 22 errors in 95 games. So you're looking at a guy here that is all tools, not a lot of production, did hit 22 home runs, or 20 home runs, excuse me, did have 40 extra base hits, but he also got on base at a 296 clip. 
He's still 20. I try to emphasize that. He'll be 21, I think, when the season starts. What is how much hope should Mets fans reserve for this guy? Okay, so like building off of that, his best friend right now is time. It's the benefit of the doubt here. So like 2022, there's no rush for him. But the Mets keep rushing him. Why? The Mets keep rushing him, though. They rush everybody. Like Vientos is 21 years old in AAA. Beatty's 21 in AA. Like That's weird. There's no point in doing what they're doing, but they're doing it. Like, you know, think about Seattle, how they rush guys. And think about the Padres, how they rush guys. Like, there are a lot of teams that just rush the shit out of their people now. Um, And and there's no need. Like, there's no point. Um, I think a lot of people felt the need to rush guys after a lost year in 2020. Like, they should be you know, say they played really well. Everybody's just expecting that like a top 10 prospect in a system should play really well. You know what I mean? Yeah. So you see all these aggressive assignments because they just assume that 2020 for Ronnie Mauricio would have looked like 300, 400, 500. Yeah. And they're just like, okay, let's go. But the reality is like in low A for Ronnie Mauricio in 2020 or high A, if they were aggressive with it, would probably look like 220, 280, and maybe 400 with the slugging. Like, it's that's okay. That's okay to struggle. Like, Ronnie Mauricio is going to struggle for the next two years. But if he struggles and grows and learns and fills into an adult frame, then he could be a Met. But how do you rank that guy, right? Like, because that's a guy that hasn't showed too much. I, I, that's why he's got to be on the outside looking in, I think, but on a watch, on a positive watch list, right? Like, I think that's what it's got to be. Yeah, I, I I think you're asking the same question that I've been asking for years about Robert Poisson in the uh, A's system. Like the guy was like 14 years old and he was just like the number two prospect in the system. Like, what are we doing here? Yeah, He's so, 18 years old. I agree. Mauricio's 20. What year do you think he signed? Uh, I know he signed like early, like he signed like on his 16th birthday. Yeah. 2017. No, it's literally as young as he could possibly be. It was like on his 16th birthday. So it's just the name it's prospect fatigue. That's prospect fatigue. One-on-one right there. Uh, But a guy that I wouldn't say is a prospect fatigue candidate here at number five, because we just haven't seen him, but I love what I've seen in limited action. Did you get to see any of Matt Allen's outing against the Nationals in spring training? Did you see any I of did. that? I did. He made Kyle Schwarber and Starlin Castro look very uncomfortable. Very uncomfortable. Matt Allen, third round pick, big overslot, though, I believe. Mm-hmm. Really exciting. Unfortunately, blew his elbow out shortly after that. But $2.5 million to sign him away from college and basically gave him a first round bonus there. I, I love this guy. I think he's going to come back from Tommy John and people are going to be like, Oh, I forgot about that guy. And he's going to quickly fly up the top 100 list uh, very quickly. Assuming that he comes back, you know, at some point this year, relatively uh, before the end of the season and gets a chance to show what he's capable. Of. I think he's going to miss most of the year. So it might be a little bit of time, but this guy, when he puts it all together, could be a frontline starter. Are you cool if we package five and six together right now and have the conversation about five and six together? Because Matt Allen's number five and JT Ginn is number six. Yeah. Because um, I actually do disagree with you about something. Let's hear it. Uh, Matt Allen's your fifth. JT Ginn's your sixth. I agree with the order here. What I will say is Matt Allen, you have as a 35 command grade here. And watching a bunch of Matt Allen... I think that he's got better command than JT Ginn, who you have as a 45. 
Granted, both of them have a lot of room to improve here. Allen's got the better fastball. Allen's like topping around 98, Ginn's around 93, 94 topping. Um, but he sits like 90 to 93 for the most part. Um, I just like watching the mechanics. I think that we're talking about Matt Allen as somebody that pounds the zone. And then Ginn um, is somebody that's going to miss a lot in the other batter's box. Yeah. So, you know, Allen is a guy that I, I think y- y- you bring up a good point. Like he definitely has all of the the goods to be able to start pounding the zone. His stuff he can trust more than a JT again, right? Cause he can just go right at the zone and get swings and misses. What I like about Gin's command is that he just locates that heavy fastball at the knees and gets a ton of ground balls. Uh, but when you look at what Allen projects as, yeah, I think, you know, long-term he easily could have better command presently. I would lean Gin, especially since you're going to see a little bit of struggles with command as you come back from Tommy John surgery too, that's usually a, you know, a typical thing, finding that arm slot, finding everything again. I had a 45 on Allen's future. I, I think, you know, you've talked me into probably bumping his future command to a 50, uh, yeah. but pre- presently it's kind of hard to gauge there. If, if he ended up having better command than Ginn when it's all said and done, I wouldn't be surprised at all. Cause he's a better athlete on the mound. Yeah. It, well, and mechanically what I'm seeing is, you know, you say Allen's a better athlete than Ginn is on the mound. I agree with you, but right now the delivery for Ginn is actually just more athletic than, than Allen. Yeah. Um, Ginn leans. Which is why I like the, the upside. Yeah, yeah. Like Ginn is, is whippy. He's got a lot of moving parts and I, I get worried about a lot of moving parts here. I get worried about um, Ginn almost looks like the star shortstop that hopped on the mound. Yeah. Like he was the position player that gets on the mound and um, just leans on his athleticism. The guys that best exemplify athleticism on the mound right now, two that jump out to me are Walker Bueller and Marcus Stroman. Stroman is a very athletic pitcher. He just gets on the mound and looks like he's letting it rip. Um, Allen has a little bit more turn pull and whip with his delivery. Like he uses that glove hand and he tucks the hell out of that thing into his armpit. Like Allen gets a ton of, um, I, you see why the velos there. Well, the arm speed is crazy. The arm speed's crazy. Arm speed's crazy. And he, and he uses his hips. He uses his shoulders with that. He uses that with his glove hand that he tucks so hard. Ginn on the other hand, is just like, I'm an athlete. I'm going to let this thing ride. I I agree with that. And I think though, Allen has this level of athleticism that he's not even tapping into yet. Uh, and I'm excited to see, you know, when he comes back from Tommy John, how that all comes together, because I think he, I still do think he's a better athlete than Ginn. It's just, he hasn't really used it. And it, just because you're a better athlete doesn't mean that you can't have sound mechanics. And I think that's why Allen will be able to repeat them well. And Ginn, even as a good athlete is going to struggle to repeat all those moving parts, uh, as you mentioned. And sometimes that arm lags behind, you miss arm side because of that. Uh, but what the reason why I have presently Ginn above just as we've seen more innings, uh, he pounded the zone in high A, uh, and I think he's showing some good things there. Uh, but to wrap up on the upsides of these guys, Allen's got frontline upside. Ginn is more limited to high floor, low ceiling guys, like a three or a four. I think he's more of a four ground ball pitcher type. Uh, but Matt Allen, I have a 65 future on the fastball, 60 present. The breaking ball is disgusting, and the changeup already showed flashes. That three-pitch mix with decent command could be number two type stuff. I just mentioned Stroman. Do you kind of like the Stroman comp for JT Ginn? Like heavy tumbling fastball, gets a lot of ground balls, sliders the best pitch, if, athlete if on can, the mound? Yeah, if he can keep developing, 
you know, the, the, I, my thing with Ginn is he needs, he needs something that works up. He needs a four seamer because right now everything is bottom third of the zone, heavy fastball change up. That looks just like it slider. That's breaking downwards. So if I'm a hitter, I'm ruling out everything up here. He's not, he's not elevating anything. So I'm looking bottom third of the zone. If he can make himself more of that, you know, versatile pitcher that Stroman is, I don't hate that, but it would obviously be a Stroman light uh, that, that we'd be looking at here because Stroman's just another level of athlete uh, from those guys. And, you know, would you say I'm limiting again with a number four upside? I really just don't know if I see too much more than that. Fastball is more 91, 93. Uh, he did tick up a little bit as the year went on. I do like the slider a lot, uh, but the changeup I'm afraid is going to look just like the fastball. And there's not that much separation between the two pitches. It's only about five miles an hour of separation. Yeah. Like, I don't, I don't think you're limiting him. I think um, he can be a really good four or like a good three. You know what I mean? I think, I think we're looking at JT again as like, Oh, that's a very nice piece to have in a starting rotation here. For sure. Um, And, and I want Mets fans to enjoy their top two pitching prospects because their top pitching prospect is not a top 100 guy. Allen and Ginn are their best two pitching prospects. Neither of them are, are actually really close to the top 100 you say, right? Like they're more in the 150 to 200 range. If Allen was pitching, I think he'd be in there, but yeah, because yeah. of the Tommy John, you know, I, I think they're both in that 150, 200 range, but, but Matt Allen's a lot closer than Ginn just because of that upside. Yeah. If he comes out and looks good for half a season, he's probably in that conversation because the stuff is just that good. And, the, and I love yeah. the build. And you know what? Don't be discouraged by that. Like your two best pitchers not being in the top 100 conversation right now, because they're pretty good. And uh, I, I think your new owner has made it clear that if your prospects don't work out, you're willing to throw $130 million at a 37 year old man. So I, you're good. You can just pay your way to a starting rotation for sure. They need to draft more arms. So I don't think they need to draft any more bats. I think they're, <laughs> they're good in that department. Draft more arms because you go to number seven. It's, it's another young draft age bat. And Alex Ramirez, 19-year-old, who was a $2 million signing bonus baby too, but way more advanced in terms of like maybe not as off-the-chart toolsy, way more advanced than Ronnie Mauricio as a teenager in international free agency here. I like the swing a lot. Uh, obviously, there was some swing and miss, 31% K rate in his first season. But this is a guy, context is important, Jack. Missed out on his rookie, rookie ball season in 2020 after being signed in 2019. So he went straight from international free agency to full season a ball. And I mean, he held his own 96 WRC plus 16 stolen bases ran into five home runs. Not bad at all for that big jump to start it out right away. They liked what they saw during the scouting process. You don't do that. Like usually when you sign a guy, I mean, regardless of if they're late in the signing period or not, Ramirez was 17 when they signed him. Um, and that's, you know, a year to two years later than when you typically sign guys. Um, you you spend at least a year in the Dominican Summer League if you're an international free agent totally. signing. You, like, it's, it's a lock you do that. And then you spend another year at the complex, like playing in the Gulf Coast at League least, of the Arizona Complex. At least half. At least half yeah. a year. I mean, like, it's just there's this acclimation process. But what that tells me, actually, more than anything on the field, is they loved the makeup to the point where they could sign him out of the international signing class and immediately put him stateside with minimal supervision. Mm-hmm. The makeup there is, is massive. Like I bet if you met Alex Ramirez, you'd be really impressed with the young man that you're interacting with. A hundred percent, because that's a big part of it. You're, you're taking a teenager from another country 
throwing them in and saying, you're going to play baseball every day and you got to pretty much take care of yourself. You know, like it's a big jump. I want you to think about this, like sending your kid to college. You know, the the parents that stress about their kids going to college are worried about their kids makeup. Right. Because they're just abroad. Yeah. Yeah. It's a college abroad. abroad for sure. Like, you know, but, but even think about you, you know, from the Miami area, you go to central New York for school, like Chicago land area, you go to central New York for school. If my parents were panicked, they think it's because I can't handle my time. Right. Like they, yeah. I can't handle, um, you know, budgeting time for myself and like, is he going to eat? Well, is he going to get his work done? Like all that stuff. If you're concerned about that, you're concerned about your kid's makeup. Yeah. But like if you send him to school and your main concern is, is he going to make friends? You know, he's prioritizing the right things, right? Like he's going to get his work done. He's he's not going to cheap you out on the the hundreds of thousands of dollars you spend for college in 2021, 2022. Like that's Alex Ramirez. Like no, the Mets were not worried about him not getting his shit done. He's you getting don't, his shit you just, done. You just don't see it. You just don't see that happening. And the fact that, you know, his play on the field didn't really suffer. Like he was able to get acclimated to that day in and day out schedule. 258, 326, 384. I mean, look, you're not, you're not putting that on billboards and, and getting all pumped about it, but it's a fine stat line for it's a guy making it. It's not the NBA 2K he's got next campaign. Yeah, no, <laughs> no, it, it's not that one. But you know what? It is really darn good because that is a big jump and most guys really struggle a, a little bit just on him tools across the board. I, I have a 50 future on his hit. Like I think he's going to be an above average hitter. Uh, I, I think there's above average power there. We saw it already. Some of those home runs he hit were, were towering for a guy that's only six three one seventy. 170 uh, above average runner, above average defender plus arm. Like he's just checks every box across the board for an international free agent. Pretty high floor relative to most of his peers, I would say. And the bat, dude, we talked about it. It's quick. It's quick. He can catch up to a lot of stuff. He's just got to get it under control. Whippy. <laughs> like Whippy. that's the word that you used, right? It's it's yep. got this whip to it. Like I see um, you know, he's 6'3, 170. So if you're swinging a heavy bat, like it's gonna kind of throw you around a little bit. Yeah. And you see the the long swing because the bat's really heavy. It's, it's almost like sometimes he finishes and it's like, yeah, right. Like it's almost like the barrel is made out of lead and he's just like swinging it through the zone. Like his body's just going with it. Um, But I don't hate that because there are a lot of swings like that, that have ended up working. It's quick through the zone. It's quick through the zone. It's just when he finishes, it looks like he's all over the place and you want to see him a little bit more, Toned down, but yeah, you're right. There's a lot of swings like that in major league baseball and he's pretty controlled through the zone. He uses the whole field. Well, uh, I like this kid a lot. And if we're talking about a guy in the back end that has top 100 upside, this is a dude right here who has it. Uh, he swipes 16 bags. Like he, he can do a little bit of everything can play center right now. If he adds 15 pounds of muscle, Jack, this is an exciting hitter probably moves to a corner, but with a plus arm there, this, he's an exciting hitter with tools across the board. I, I'm a big fan of his. Yeah. We'll go to a guy on the opposite end of the spectrum now. Khalil Lee, 23 years old, stunk in like 18 plate appearances in the big leagues last year. So I'm not, I'm not really going to hold that against him. Was really good in AAA, but also doesn't swing. Like legit doesn't swing. His swing percentage was like 12% below average. And his chase rate with that was really low. But he's just super passive, was more aggressive down the stretch and had a really good finish to the year. I'll take you through his final 50 games. 
297, 466, 593 in AAA after getting demoted, 10 home runs over those 50 final games. All he did was swing at pitchers in the zone more and be a little bit more aggressive. He crushes fastballs. He struggles against breaking balls big time. It's why he's passive, but he walks a lot. I think his mold's got to be, I don't think he's ever going to fully figure out how to hit curveballs. I think that's been a challenge for him. Crush fastballs, walk a lot. And you know what? You could be a decent player. Yeah. I, um, the 11 games with the Mets this year, one for 18 with 13 punches. But you know what? That one hit was an RBI double, baby. Let's go. There you um, go. No, I mean, like, I really do think this guy's a fourth outfielder. I think he's a good fourth outfielder. Um, on base guy, you know, if if you want to let um, Vientos get a day off and left, Khalil Lee can go play left field. If you want to get Nimmo a day off in center, Khalil Lee can go play center. He can do everything. Um, he's not going to do anything to the ability of, of an 150-game outfielder, but he's, a, he's an 80-game outfielder for sure. Totally. And I still think there's an outside shot that he's a regular. He could still, if he can figure it out, I'm not going to bet on it, right? I think he's a really high end, maybe one of the best fourth outfielders in baseball. Yeah. But he's a guy that if, if if somebody goes down and you have to play Khalil Lee for 100 games, you're not you're not taking the biggest hit in the world. Like that that's a guy that's going to fill in and be pretty decent. I mean, he hits yeah. lefties really well too, so he he's not going to struggle left on left. He's got above average speed, plus defenders in the corners or in either corners. Average defender and center, slightly above average. The walks take some pressure off of the hit tool. And he runs into baseballs. He's got some power. This is a guy that I think if, if he can figure out how to even hit curveballs at a mediocre clip, could be a regular because he crushes velo and he crushes fastballs. Yeah, I'd, I'd say just emphasize outside shot again at being an everyday yes. guy. Like, I, I think if, if he was forced into 100 games, you know, if you suffered an injury in the outfield – the Mets are still looking for an Eddie Rosario type acquisition at the deadline. Like they're looking to upgrade the spot that Khalil Lee yeah, is probably, in, probably. but it's not the end of the world. Like it's, it's not, Oh my God, this guy sucks. Get him out of the lineup. I think it's, he's good, but we want a great addition, mm-hmm. but he's a good athlete who puts up some crazy exit velos. And we've seen crazier things happen for guys in terms of clicking. Uh, so I, I would say there's, it's not a 0% chance that he becomes a regular, but think of him most likely as a high-end fourth outfielder who's also a phenomenal bat off the bench, right? Like that's a guy that can go yard anytime as a left-handed bat off the bench. Uh, Last two guys real quick, Jalen Palmer, someone that no one really knows about a Flushings kid, pop-up prospect, 22nd round, but they gave him 200 K to forego college. And you know what? He struggled in high A but surprised a lot of people with his performance in rookie ball was really good in low a swiped a ton of bags. Great build at six, four, 210 pounds above average runner, a lot of exciting tools that he offers. And this is a cold weather pop-up high schooler. So like be as patient as you can. I like what I've seen so far, man. And he reminds me a little bit of another prospect in terms of his build and, and athleticism. I'm curious who, who you're going to think I'm saying, uh, but the, the build and frame are very similar. Is it a Cardinal? Mm-mm. Who are you thinking of? His build and frame are reminiscent of Brendan Davis. Yeah. 
Yeah. And, and it's not to say he'll be Brennan Davis, but it's a similar type of, of power potential too. Brennan's obviously gotten into it, but Brennan was raw as hell too early on. Super oh, so raw. He just had a quick learning curve. Palmer didn't have quite the level of competition through high school that Brennan had though. Palmer is still just turned 21 has played almost every position in the field. They moved him all over everywhere above average to plus raw power and a better field to hit than I think a lot of people would have expected from this kid. He also has pretty solid plate discipline already. Like yeah. he, he walks at a decent clip. I mean, the OBP to batting average difference is, is legit. It's there. Um, I like the Brennan Davis frame comp because Brennan Davis, like he could still put a little bit more muscle on. Um, he still looks a little bit too thin. Um, but like Jalen Palmer, like he's 6'4", 208. That, that's already a good frame. But if he got to 6'4", 220, and oh he was gosh. a super athletic 220, that's only 12 pounds. I say only 12 pounds, like 12 pounds of muscle is an easy thing. Granted, I couldn't do that if you gave me a year. Yeah, no, no, um, sure. But like, I mean... He could be that guy that just kind of shows up. You have his ETA is 2024. Yeah. 2024, like he could be on the brink and it's like, yeah, this is a consensus top 100 prospect. If the frame 100%. does what it does and if the power jumps up, like this guy could be a top 100 guy. And I love the swing. It's really just a lower half control thing. You know, he's, yeah. he gets a little bit out front, drifts a little bit. But I mean, he's got a quick bat. I'm excited about this guy. There's another one that just has crazy upside. Uh, that local kid would be really fun, really cool to see. He could have 25 plus home runs and be a dynamic player all over the field. Keep an eye out for Jalen Palmer next year. Don't be deterred by that K rate and high A. He got a taste. I bet it'll be better next year. Yeah. Number 10. This is the rare, 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 rare opportunity where you sign a minor league free agent and he's a top 10 prospect. Yeah. Nick Plummer. I am sold on the changes. He used to have a high leg kick crazy haphazard swing. Now he tones it down. It's a former first round pick by the Royals. I believe it was the Royals. Or was he a first? Yeah. yeah, yeah. City. Former first round pick. And I mean, I think it was a third round, a third round pick. Sorry. Third round over slot guy. Yes. 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 Third round over slot guy. I was like mentally store those guys as first round talents. Yeah. Insane athlete who also realized I don't need all this movement to be a good hitter after atrocious seasons was phenomenal last year, dude. And I watched a lot of plumber. I'm sold on it. The only reason the Cardinals didn't keep him is they would have had to add him to the 40 man roster. And the Cardinals have a decent amount of outfielders. It was plumber or Lars new bar and Juan Yepes. Yepes and new bar are going to get the benefit of the doubt. Plumber had his option probably of all 29 other organizations. I would almost bet on it. Uh, and he picked the Mets. This is a guy that could compete with Khalil Lee for the fourth outfield spot. I'm not even kidding. Yeah. Um, all right. I, I remember Nick Plummer when he was at Brother Rice in Michigan, Bloomfield Hills, Michigan, Brother Rice High School, um, because he was the guy that like, like the idea was briefly floated for a minute that he could go one one because his junior year of high school at Brother Rice, he hit 573 with eight bombs and 34 RBIs like 573 his junior year of high school in Michigan, Michigan, cold weather state like. He was, he looked like a, an NFL running back when he was a junior in high school. That was his deal. Um, and Plummer, like, yeah, Nick Plummer, I used as a trade piece like two weeks ago. I was I like, know, hey, we, the Cardinals that, we, can that go. That was my upgrade. bad. 
No, but it was like my bad too. Cause I was like, Hey, the cards can go up upgrade, upgrade a starting pitching and they can use Nick Plummer, who was pretty good. He was, and really it good. totally skipped our mind that he was a Met now. Like, yeah, yeah. he's the a top the guy. And I messed it up, dude. He, in the write-up, I got to update that. He was a first round pick Cardinals. He was a first round pick. Yeah. Cardinals. I needed to update that. That was my bad. Yeah, that's right. 23rd overall with the Cardinals. How crazy is that? He finally figured it out. He was yeah, a physical but like, specimen. <laughs> but like, did he? I think he did. I think he did, man. He cut the he cut the K rate down dramatically. Uh, hit for a ton of power uh, compared to other years. Speed still shine through. I mean, we're talking about like worst case fourth outfielder here. Left-handed bat. Yeah. Good defense. I like what we saw and he's got, he's got legit juice dude. like big exit velos. And there's such an extreme swing change that really worked for him that I'm a believer in it. And he hit everything fastball, curveball, changeup. I actually believe in these changes from Nick Plummer and there's a chance that he could take that fourth outfielder spot. I'm not even kidding. Yeah, no. So last thing for me is a question to you, 2022 opening day, who would you rather have on the roster? Nick Plummer or Khalil Lee? Khalil Lee out of the gate. I want to see Plummer for another 35, 40 games in AAA, see if he can duplicate it, and then go from there. Because Khalil Lee has nothing left to prove in AAA. Plummer, I want to see another 35, 40 games. Like Khalil Lee made a mockery the whole season, and it did it in the past too, in, in AA and before that. Plummer just did it last year. Let's see him do it a little bit more. Khalil Lee gives you a top-end defense you know, right out of the gate. I would lean him, but... I mean, if Plummer's raking in spring training, I, I would give it to Plummer. So, like, let's let's let it be decided in spring training and, and make this an open competition. Uh, cool, I really love the changes that Plummer made because he's such a good athlete. He doesn't have to move. He's so yeah. strong, doesn't have to move, and can just crush it. Um, a few other names to watch. We don't have to get into it, but just names to watch. Uh, Carlos Cortez, guy that bat the ball. He's 5'7", 190, but just good contact, spray it all over the field, can play almost every position on the diamond. Calvin Ziegler, recent draft pick, really interesting. Uh, anybody else that you think should be mentioned? Uh, Eric Ors. Is it Orzee? Eric Ors? Nasty. O-R-Z-E. O-R-Z-E. Ors? Orzee? No, let's go with Orzee. Orzee. Nasty. Nasty fastball uh, changeup combination there. He could be a nasty bullpen arm there. A good option. Uh, but like you said, it kind of dips off pretty, pretty quickly. Uh, Jose Budo, another guy that could be an interesting arm added to the 40 man. But outside of that, it, it kind of dips off pretty quick. Wasn't Jake Mangum in the Met system for a little bit? Oh, I remember Jake Mangum. Yes. Yeah, is, is he, he still in it? He might he, still be in it. Jake Mangum. I think he is. Yeah. Jake Mangum spent, uh, yeah, 75 games with Binghamton. Hit he was not bad. Four. 294 with an 801 OPS. Jake right. Mangum. Keep an eye on Jake Mangum, 25 years old in double A. <laughs> I mean, he was pretty good at Mississippi State. Remember? Big him? time eye black in the picture, too. Yeah, God. Blue eyes with the eye black. Shout out him. Struggle in day games, light colored eyes. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. Watch that. Follow that. It's a thing. Don't uh, play him during the day, folks. Don't. Just platoon your blue eyed guys for night games only. <laughs> Anything else on this Mets system, McMullen? I don't think so. It's it's a fine system, like top-heavy system, but a fine system. Um, I agree. Not one of the sexiest that we're going to go through, but I'm glad we did it. It's great. 
Um, I saw it was seven nothing Chiefs. Um, and then I also got sent uh, John Rothstein is is my guy on Twitter. That guy is ridiculous on Twitter. Um, and he's got all those one liners. He uh, after the Purdue Ohio State game, Rothstein tweeted, Jaden Ivy, you should have bought stock a long time ago. So should have. This is I, a, how do I uh, buy is, stock? How do I do that? Is, I have no idea. And I, it might be an NIL idea. thing. Yeah, it might be an NIL thing. Uh, Kyle Nicholas on Wednesday. Really exciting arm. Ball State guy. Ball yeah. State guy. Come on. I know I you, you got to love another Ball State. What is it? Cardinal? Red, Cardinal. Red Cardinal. Yep. Yep. Chirp, chirp. Chirp, chirp. Kyle Nicholas of the Pirates organization. Going to be talking to us on Wednesday. Uh, looking forward to that. Jack. As always, thank you. We got another team to go through next week. It's going to be any of the Giants or we'll see. We'll see. I don't know what I'm leaning towards yet. I'll decide, but should be a fun system. We'll pick a good one next week. Before we go, can I just shout out Ball State's pitching pipeline? Because not only do they have Kyle Nicholas, Chase McDermott, Trey Jameson, uh, Chase McDermott was just a high round selection. Zach Plesak was a Ball State Cardinal. Cards kind of turn out pitching. Yeah. Look out for them. Omaha. Chirp, chirp. Thank you, Jack. Thank you, everybody. We'll talk to you on Wednesday with Kyle Nicholas.